of the Pleasure with No Actually podcast, where we talk all things that enhance women's sexual pleasure. Our interview today is with Anita Kopax, editor-in-chief of Heart and Soul magazine, the author of the beautiful book, Finding Your Way, as well as the author of her monthly newsletter, Not Your Mama's Guru. She gives voice to her inspiring meditations at ombama.com, which is an online home for spirituality. This is a special interview, as it is both beautiful and in-depth. With us, Anita opens up about her journey from shame and silence over a childhood molestation to finding deep healing, self-love, and self-acceptance. She also shares with us how she ended the flashbacks of her trauma and the power of touch therapy, which she credits with taking her to a deeper level of healing. She shares how to support a loved one who's been through trauma, how she reclaimed fun in her bedroom, the link between sexuality and self-worth, and the potentially surprising results of taking a 30-day sex bath, and so much more. So I hope you'll listen in for learnings and lessons. Enjoy. Anita, thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. Yeah. So first off, I'm really interested in your story, and if you could tell us about what you're most excited about in work and life now, and how your journey led you to where and what you're up to today. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited right now about this documentary that I'm shooting. And it's basically about my journey of healing the effects of being molested when I was younger and healing it through body modalities where basically this healer massages and feels around my body to see where I might be holding on to the trauma physically. And I've been in the healing profession for a long time. I am a spiritual psychologist, and as my job, I'm the editor-in-chief of a health and wellness magazine called Heart and Soul. And so I was floored. I can't believe I didn't even know that that existed, that someone can go in your body and find where you're holding on to the trauma and work it out. And so it's like, if I didn't know, you know, I imagine there are a few other people that didn't know as well. So (laughs) I was like, I am going to tape this. And I was terrified. And the funny thing is, is that I realized when I was going for the first session, I was literally so scared that I was shaking. And I'm like, why am I so so scared? And I just kind of turned inward And I realized that I was that seven-year-old girl again. Mm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this terror that I'm feeling is this, it's the same feeling that I felt when I was younger, when I was molested. And I was just like, wow, okay, let's move through it. (laughs) It still felt like I had to take like an adult amount of courage, you know, to to move through it and go to the first session, but it was really interesting how scared I was. You think that was, was that because you felt fear around, like, reliving the trauma, or? Yes, I'm pretty sure that that's what was going on, was that Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go into it that deeply. Even though I I freely talk about it, it was, I knew that I was going to have to go there. I just had this terror but the, the one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this was for my sexual life now because there are times mm. when if my partner does something that was similar to what happened when I was younger, I get a flashback. And I'm like, oh, no, no, stop. 
you know? And so I, it's just like, wait a minute. I want to have fun in the bed. I don't want to worry mm-hmm. about, you know, what happened to me when I was seven. And, you know, like just have free pleasure, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so that was one of the things that I went into it with. And I realized when I when I came out of it that it was all about self-worth. It was mm-hmm. all about self-worth, even the pleasure part. Do I deserve it? Do I deserve pleasure? Because it was there was so much shame that I um, wrapped around pleasure from this experience. Like if anything mm-hmm. feels like it did, because it was, it was pleasurable when I was seven. Even mm-hmm. though it was terrifying and all of that, it was still pleasurable, which is such a confusing thing for a child. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think so, it's a confusing thing for a child for sure and as well as at any age. I think yeah. we've, um, we've, we've really made a mess of trying to to link trauma to being inherently not pleasurable, I think. Because then when there is any pleasure experience, that that shame is just felt so much more potently, I think. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So I'm really excited about that and getting the information out there. Yeah, tell me a little bit more. I'm I'm really fascinated by it. I I, I had a friend explore some similar work this past year, and it was incredibly powerful for her as well. I was really change to think, I think like lots of us, that um, the talk therapy and, and psychiatry was really not only the predominant way to heal through mm-hmm. trauma, but maybe even the only way. Exactly. Um, and to explore these other avenues is so beautiful and powerful. Mm-hmm. All of the, the work that I had done on myself before with psychology and mm-hmm. therapy, life coaching, and it was great for uh, my emotional healing and, mm-hmm. you know, and really going into it that way. But I just still felt that when I was, when I was being intimate, I, was, I would still have flashbacks. And so I was oh. like, well, that's not helping with that. And a good sex life is pretty important, you know. So <laughs> I, um, I went into this healing and... I actually would love to share the one part where he did find where I was holding most of my mm. trauma. Mm. Yeah. So I went in, I think it was my third session, and he he does different stretches and different um, like pressure point, and he got got down to my right foot, be kind of between mm. my. Um, my big toe and the the second toe and he pushed on it and it was really painful and I was like ow and he's like this is where it is you know and just kept pushing on it and I'm like oh my gosh and all of a sudden as if I was watching a movie screen the scene of the last time that I was molested came up in front of me and I was like oh my gosh so I saw me and this man and I saw, you know, how little I was, everything, because I've never mm-hmm. seen it from, like, outside of myself. Mm-hmm. And I saw why I had so much shame. And it was because I asked him to do it to me the last time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just said, can you do that thing to me again? And I didn't remember that I did that. So this was mm-hmm. all, like you know, memories coming up. Like once once I saw it, I remembered it and realized why I buried it so deep, why I didn't talk about it with anyone for years until I was almost 20 probably was the first time that I told someone. 
and it just it, it's just it really is such a confusing thing for a child to just go through sure. and then hide and be ashamed and I, you know, was really scared with boys after that point. I didn't, you know, I I didn't have my first kiss until I was maybe 17. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. And so what, in seeing that, did you have a, a different story in watching it as sort of that Oh, my gosh. I had so much compassion for my little mm-hmm. self. I just realized, like, just how courageous, and you know it was I I like I said before I'm a pretty open person and I always have mm-hmm. been and so I would lie to my mom all the time because she was she had five girls she was very vigilant about asking us if anything has ever happened right you know mm-hmm. has anyone ever touched you inappropriately and I'd be like no no like like always lying and so that also really you know took a toll on me because I was pretty honest and open kid right. and I lied to my mom every time so it was pretty intense you know thinking back at it and having a lot more compassion for myself yeah for the little seven-year-old and then also yeah. the the young woman growing up who's lying out of a lot of different emotions <laughs> but exactly um, and self-protection oh wow can you tell me what it was like when you first spoke to your mother about this well, I first told my mom when I was in college, so I think I was probably mm-hmm. 20, and mm-hmm. and um, I told her, and she seemed like she was in shock, and really? I called her the next day, and she couldn't, she couldn't talk, like, she was like, she's like, hello, you know, and I was like, mom, are you sick, and she's like, yeah. You know, and then I I called my sister. I'm like, I was like, oh, mom's totally sick. And she's like, she's not sick. She hasn't stopped crying since you told her. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I called her back, and I'm like, mom, you know this is not your fault. And she's like, of course it's my fault. Like, she really, you know, Mm -hmm. took it on as if it was her fault. And my dad actually did the same thing because um, he didn't find out until two years ago. Um, I put it on Facebook when um, I just was like, I'm coming out and I just want to put it out there. Mm-hmm. And so when I talked to him, he was messed up as well. And, you know, he finally got to the point he was just like, you know what, I'm glad that you told me now because if you told me when you were seven, I might have killed someone. And I was like, yes, so then this is good. We don't need anyone mm-hmm. to die. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just, yeah, that's, oh my gosh, everything is, this is so crazy to me that I think, I, I think in and of itself, though, that reaction can be very scary, and I know yeah. it's coming from a good place with your dad, but I actually, I mean, I think that this is an interesting segue into, like, wanting to, to get your thoughts on, like, how best, how best people can react when they hear stories yeah. of loved ones being harmed, because, yes. um, again, I think, you know, this, this worry that that your story is going to be so intense that other people won't be able to hold it, is mm-hmm. an, or or that somebody else will be harmed, can actually be that much more of a reason to hold it in. Um, exactly, especially as a yeah. child. Mm. And I know, I know, with me, I was never threatened not to tell. I know for mm-hmm. some kids, they are, you know, threatened by the person who molested them not to tell. I never was. I just, 
just in myself I was already so ashamed that I just didn't want to tell. I didn't think that if I told, I didn't think anyone would get hurt. That wouldn't mm-hmm. wouldn't have been one of the reasons. Mine was totally out of shame. Like I thought I did the worst thing anyone could ever do. I'm wondering if you have um, other insights into people who are listening right now who know in their lives maybe of, of dear friends or loved ones who have experienced um, trauma, sexual trauma, or if they are being brought stories and just not knowing how, how best to react. Well, I think compassion is definitely the number one mm. reaction that can happen. And and also, I think trying to hold the space of uh, for the person, not for the the thing that happened to them, because it is true. Mm. Sometimes, if you think about what happened to the person, it can be too much for someone to handle. But if you sit mm. and you think, "Oh, this is my best friend," or "This is my daughter," or "This is my..." aunt and hold them and just allow them to get it out because it's so healing to mm-hmm. share it and to let it out and um i mean i think i think the statistics are like one in three or one in four so there's yeah. so many women that this happens to and right. most likely we all know <laughs> a few people that it's happened to Absolutely. and and so just holding the person and a lot of times they say you, you know if you if you if you just imagine them as a child speaking that that you have that energy of just like oh you know like mm. more compassion and and it really is i mean now i'm at the point where this whole thing is a blessing like i would not change it which for me saying that is huge because before I would do anything to just not have this at all, not have any of this energy in my life. But now from this point of seeing all of these women supporting me, all of these people mm-hmm. cheering me on as I go through this, it's it has really I've I've really integrated it into my being and that feels like a blessing. Yeah, so so beautiful. I do want to get back a little bit into um, into that moment of of working through working the tra- trauma through the body, um, and understanding you know how how to find the trusted person to do that and what what that process was like. Is it is it like massage? Is it like Reiki? I'm still fascinated <laughs> by that. So the healer, his name is Christopher Lee Mayer, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it started off the first the first session. It, we were just talking, and he he said that with a lot of women who this has happened to, especially if it's a male healer, um, he mm-hmm. likes to really bring them into the energy of trust, and that mm-hmm. he just doesn't touch them the first time. Mm-hmm. So the whole session was talking the first one. And when he started the process of of finding where I was holding the trauma, it was more like like pressure point. He would push down on certain areas in my body, and mm-hmm. if I was holding something in that area, I would feel a little bit more pain. And just kind of like a massage, he would keep 
moving in that area until the pain was gone. And there were certain places where I was like, oh, well, if you keep pushing on that, I'm going to get a bruise. And he was like, no, Mm -hmm. you just keep pushing and it, it disappears. And it would really disappear. And I'm like, wait, where did that pain go? And he was saying that our right side of our bodies is the male side and the left side is the female side. And that a lot of people who were assaulted by a male, they hold it on the right side of their body, the trauma, somewhere on the right side. And so he was able to find that. And he realized even with the different stretches, he would he would stretch my body in certain ways and he could tell that my right side was really tight, like I was holding on to things. Mm. And I think for each patient, he gives different stretches. So the stretches I did wouldn't be the same for another person. Right, so, right. Yeah. Wow. And so and you're, you're making a whole documentary about this so we can all watch them. I am, <laughs> yes. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm so excited for that. And I'm really, I'm also circling back a little bit into your share of how that trauma years later was still coming up in sexual experiences and mm-hmm. and, and and affecting that and, and potentially wondering how that impacted intimacy and pleasure and um, also learning from connecting with your partner about this and how to how to speak. Um, how to speak to a sexual partner about um, past negative experiences or traumatic experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a great question. So um, my partner was so, uh, just so loving throughout this whole process. He had his own, his own insecurities that would come up with it, but it was, he just was really supportive, and he kind of knows that I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> like, if I need to do the healing, I'm going to do it. But he was yeah. he was pretty supportive in that way. And also, he wants that as well, you know. He wants he wants me to be able to feel comfortable in bed. And so... And so he was, he was all for that, as, you know, as far as the healing. And basically, after the last... My last se- session... I did a 30-day sexual fast, and and that was Sheldon's idea. That was my partner's idea. Mm-hmm. And because if it was my idea, he'd be like, "What? <laughs> no!" <laughs> <laughs> and he came up with the idea, which I thought was pretty amazing, because he's like, "If you're healing that energy, let's not mix it up." right now let's have you really heal it and so I went into that healing and girl (laughs) I just have to say it it's just been amazing like the the first time that I did it after it felt like I was on a playground and I'm like is this how people feel is this why people love it you know like I've never Mm -hmm. had a problem not like I I orgasm I love that but for me it's like it's like a little small hole that I, I mean, literally. <laughs> but figuratively, it's like a space, like I'm, I'm scared before and I'm scared after. But while I'm in it, I can let it happen and then I go back into this tight space, or I have in the past. And so with this, with the experience after, it was like just all open and fun and I'm like this is what people are talking about (laughs) why they love it so much so um there definitely was a lot of healing that that took place with this 
It, I mean, it, it completely worked. So I'm a fan of it. <laughs> yeah. No, it sounds like it. Yeah. One of the things that we do that we've seen a lot of really beautiful power come from is um, what we call our our pleasure pledge, which is an invitation to women to commit to daily orgasms throughout a month. Um, And that's been so so great and and something that I've you know worked into my daily daily practice in life. Nice. Um, What's really fascinating to me is that this weekend. Um, I was reading about about actually sort of the, the power of the inverse of that, which you're mentioning, which is the, mm. the fast of sexual energy in a true honoring of the sexual energy, right? Yeah. Like, it's no, and, and I've, I've never, I've never really read or understood a fast from that perspective. Um, mm. I feel like when people have talked to me about fasting and sex, it, it comes from this, like, you know, being raised Catholic and <laughs> right, like, because right. there's something inherently bad about sex or bad about pleasure, and so it needs to be restricted. It's so fascinating to me that, that you just mentioned this when I was just reading about it, and, and oh, wow. I'm probably going to do this journey how life is? coming up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it. all about, like, the fast is a way to experience other healings because sexual energy is so powerful. Yeah. As we work through different aspects of our life and healing, taking a break from it can lead to a different way of experiencing that healing. Am I, am I articulating this correctly? <laughs> Perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah. It really, it really was. Like I was, I was honoring the healing that was going on so that I can fully be present in my sexual experiences after that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. was, it was an honoring, for sure. Wow. That's so powerful and amazing. <laughs> well, again, yeah, I can't wait for this documentary. When is it coming out? <laughs> we're still we're still in the editing process, so we don't I don't know exactly yet. Okay. But I will let you know for sure. Okay, please do. And <laughs> we'll let everybody listening know for sure. <laughs> I know that you have some daily spiritual practices um, and daily practices in general. Um, that I would love to hear more about. Absolutely. There, there is an affirmation that I do, and it's by Ernest Holmes, and it was, mm-hmm. it's called My Own Shall Come to Me. And mm-hmm. so I do um, a short meditation, and, and then I read it. And it's really about how we can't keep our good away from us, no matter what we do. Mm-hmm. And and so it really is for me just an affirmation that no matter what, whatever is mine is going to come to me. So so it has pretty much taken away a lot of anxiety of me feeling like, oh, I need to do this. I need to, you know, my kids need to be the best. I, You know, like mm-hmm. all of those type of things. It's just like, no, what's mine is coming to me. And it doesn't it doesn't take away the fact that I work hard for what I want, but I really work at what I love. Pretty much Mm -hmm. at this point in my life, if I don't love it, if I don't feel it, my body just is like, nope, we're not calling that person, or nope, you're not going there. It's just, it just doesn't let me anymore. (laughs) It's just like fully authentic. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm I'm not quite there yet. I have to admit, I tried really hard. <laughs> it's, um, it's certainly not how I was raised, not how many of us are raised. You know, this, this balance of you know working hard and yeah. Yeah, I just actually I just had a friend say the other day that says work hard, play hard, and that was something that I I lived by in my twenties, yeah. and now I like now it makes such little sense to me. It's like yeah, I actually don't want. I don't want any of this to be hard, and I don't yes. want there to be such a separation between work and play anymore. Exactly, I love that. Um, yeah, but it's but it's a discipline to to live it. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so can you say that that affirmation again? Yes, the affirmation is "My own shall come to me," and there is a whole affirmation that comes with it, which I can I can email that to you if you want to put it up on the site with Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will. We'll put it up um, okay. in the in the blog in the show notes and blog that we write, which I know will be really powerful. So that would be wonderful. Our interview today is with Anita Kopax. I'm Kit Marie Maloney, and more of the pleasure with our actually podcast in just a moment. First, I'd like to mention a project that makes this podcast possible: our Oh Actually Indiegogo campaign. We've taken our tagline, love what feels good, to our very favorite style of t-shirt. You can check them out and get your very own when you now donate or donate again $25 to our Indiegogo campaign. Visit oactually.com slash Indiegogo. It's the pleasure with Oactually podcast. I'm Kit Marie Maloney, and our interview today is with Anita Kopax. In the second half of our interview, we discuss diversity and sexuality, squirting and masturbation, the direct connection between sexuality and abundance, how Anita worked through her low sexual desire with her partner, how Anita learned to listen to her subtle sexual urges, and how to make time for pleasure with three kids under five years old. So stay tuned and enjoy. like a little bit of an elephant in the room but um and and I'm feeling I I must say I'm feeling a little bit of like resistance but in that like way of I must must bring it up yeah um, one of the things I love about your work is that it's such a celebration of multiculturalism mm-hmm. and as a white straight 34 year old woman in this space it has been very much on my mind about how what a segregated life I live um, mm. particularly I've just moved to a new city and it's just remarkable to me um, and, and, and very concerning um, but it's something that I feel like interestingly here I am like trying to release taboos around orgasms and pleasure and everything else but when it comes to race and multiculturalism particularly in the space of women's empowerment and self-improvement I feel like it is mm-hmm. a very very white space and <laughs> um, mm. um, Really would love your thoughts on that, and love for some some guidance of how how we can further change that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I do find myself in in certain places, even with my in my master's program for my spiritual psychology, and mm-hmm. we, you know, I went to a lot of workshops and things like that, and it would be predominantly white in the room, mm-hmm. and and so. One of my things that I try to do with my magazine is that I bring in a lot of the 
the um, the learnings and the teachings into that space and mm-hmm. and what I've noticed especially in New York I know in all different types all different areas of the United States it's different but it's it's more and more integrated so many different women are just opening up to that and and really what I say in my thing I say I say that my my magazine is is for women of color but what woman is not full of color that's all I have to say <laughs> I don't know one woman who's not full of color that has been my thing I'm half black half white so mm-hmm. I'm I'm in all different areas I feel comfortable anywhere and mm-hmm. I think that is a part of the whole bridge that is happening is that I feel it I feel comfortable wherever I go. And so bringing and mixing everyone in has been really beautiful. I think that you um that you interviewed Leora um yes. from Goddess on the Go. Yes. So her her Goddess on the Goes are amazing because mm-hmm. it is totally mixed as far as age, race, you know, it's all women obviously, but it's it yes. It's beautiful. Like hers is the first place where I walked in, and it's like fifty percent black women in there, and I'm like, "What is this?" <laughs> you know, like, That's so awesome. I like, it was so amazing. I, we've had many conversations. I think that that for Leora, she is. I mean, she is a woman of the world. Like she is a, a white woman, but she's like everyone. You know, like really arms wide open and very open to to everyone. So I think that, you know, when the people like you or me or Leora, like we just just consciously, you know, open our arms to everyone. And it's just consciously doing it. And and you being able to bring it up with me, you know what I mean? Like that's just, it's just a beautiful way to um, to create more of, of a mix, create more of a diversity. And then diversity is, is amazing because then you get to see so many different perspectives. And I, I, that, to me, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. No, we're always missing out when we're alienating, even if exactly. it's conscious or, um, or not. Yeah, so that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's actually a pretty selfish reason <laughs> that I want to make sure that we're calling in a more diverse, um, awareness just because it's so much more rich and dynamic. So, yeah, um, yeah sure. Well, thank you for for being at the helm of that. Um, yeah. <laughs> really important. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, there was one thing that I wanted to bring up with you because I love that, that this is all about women's pleasure, sexuality, all of that. Yeah. For me... I I would I never really watched like porn or anything. I just I didn't I, I would just most of my sexual experiences, you know, were in the bedroom, everything. And what would happen to me once in a while is that I would think I peed the bed when I had sex. Mm-hmm. And I'd be so embarrassed. I'd be like, Oh my gosh and until I would say maybe four years ago, I realized mm-hmm. that I was squirting and I had no idea what that was. Mm-hmm. And and so I was like, once you know, Sheldon was like, well, you do realize that you are having a female orgasm, you're squirting, and I'm like, what? And so he like <laughs> brings up some porn to show me, and I'm like, 
that's a real thing? <laughs> and he was like, yes. And girl, I felt like I had turned into a teenage boy. Like I was masturbating all day. I would wait till the kids went to school. I was like, bye oh guys. <laughs> Because you're so turned on by, by allowing you to experience that? Yes, yes. That's amazing. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. So it was hilarious. I'm like, I've been dying to share that somewhere because I feel like it was such a liberating experience to be able to find out that I can squirt and that <laughs> it's an amazing thing. So... Yeah. That is so great. No, thank you so much for that share. Actually, um, Leora had a similar share. Um, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I was, uh, I was talking to a really wonderful entrepreneur who's um, also based in Colorado who's actually come out with, um, or is coming out with a, um, a sheet mm-hmm. that protects mattresses from um, female ejaculation as well as um, menstrual blood. She was telling me that um, that it's just extraordinary still how much resistance there is, even in the medical community, around female ejaculation or squirting or whatever when I refer it to as. Um, and it's almost like back to when there was like debate around whether or not like the clitoris existed. Um, oh. So in, interestingly enough, and this is something I really want to explore more. Interestingly enough, there's like still some academic debate around whether or not like female ejaculation can happen. Um, oh, which is just like so so fascinating. <laughs> so I'm loving women sharing these experiences because again, it's like we don't need to actually have this studied in a university. Like we're no. living it, we're experiencing we're it. We're living now. it. We're, we're enjoying exactly. It now. <laughs> um, and, and I really love to share with your partner, too, because sometimes I think that this gets missed in the discussion in a weird way, but just how much men, um, when in partnership with women, are so turned on by turning us on. Yes. Um, well, that's so funny, because I was just about to ask you for one of your most powerful recent shares on a sexual experience, um, and that's such an awesome answer. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. I wanted to ask you um, also about where you find um, an intersection, if you do, between body health, sexuality, and your own spirituality. Oh, absolutely. I I have three children, and um, I my body really just went into, I don't know, it was just like I didn't want to have any sex. I didn't want to get pregnant. I didn't want to get any diseases. Like, it just was like, oh, if, if like, if he came at me with his dick, I'd be like, no, (laughs) no, that brings pain, right? And so (laughs) I was, I was kind of shut down for a little bit after I had my third child. I was like, Mm -hmm. because I had them really close together and it was like, we don't need anything else. This is it. And, um, and what happened was that it seemed like everything else in my life dried up. Like uh, it was almost as if all my abundance dried up, my opportunities. Like it just really felt like I was in this space of scarcity. I ended up taking this abundance course online from Mind Valley, and I I won a private session with the with the coach, and she. The first thing she asked me was, how's your sex life? And I was like, huh? <laughs> like, 
what are you talking about? And hey, so she just said, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's your abundance. She was mm-hmm. like, she was like, it is directly related to your abundance. It's directly related to your creativity. And I just like stopped for a moment and, you know, I thought of my life like when I wasn't scared of sex, when I wasn't scared of getting pregnant and mm-hmm. everything was abundant, everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so I slowly, you know, started opening up again and and now like fully opening up, like really going into any any blocks or anything that's that comes up because it is it's so directly related to everything especially if you feel like you're an integrated being everything is related once you had that realization was there um like a physical resistance or how did you you just run home and start having sex or no (laughs) (laughs) it was it was a lot sheldon had to be really patient and it's so interesting because not only did I have, at that point, I hadn't worked on any of the, my molestation stuff. So that stuff was still going on. Plus, I had three kids and, yeah. um, you know, just going through labor and all of that, I didn't, you know, everything was, was natural. So I, I really felt everything, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so it's. It's just I I my body just decided that it brings more pain than pleasure and was just mm-hmm. cut it off. And mm-hmm. so it was a really slow process but the fact that I was open to it um it would what we decided me and Sheldon and he's so amazing. He really has been now that I think about it and I'm saying all of these things, he's mm-hmm. really been on a ride. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he has been on a ride. And so we decided that we would only have sex when I wanted to, when I wanted to, not mm-hmm. not when he wanted to at first. So that was our first thing. Mm-hmm. And and then um once we once we got comfortable in that, so I would have to really really listen deeply because my urges were so subtle. You know, like they'd be really subtle and flutter away really quickly if I don't catch on to them. So I would be like, oh, wait, I think I think I want to have sex. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like I think I want it, I want it, you know, like, and I'd have to do it, like, right away or else it'd just be like, no, let me go breastfeed the kids, you know. <laughs> and so um, we started with that, like, doing it when, only when I wanted to. And then we had a moment of doing it when he wanted to. You know, when, mm-hmm. like, when he wanted to, he's, he's kind of just will want to do it all the time, though. But it's so, it was great because I felt like if I didn't have that energy that would kind of usher me into it, um, mm-hmm. I felt like I wouldn't have gotten past that next hurdle. And so then we right. did it when he wanted to. I was, I was kind of resistant to his at first because he was like, mm-hmm. w- you know, would you be open to like now doing it when I want to? And I'm like, what? It's not about you. you know? <laughs> yeah. so yeah. Obviously it is about him too. But so we, we did that and we've just had such a colorful, colorful sex life in that way that it's gone through so many different levels, so many different energies. And the fact that we're 
in a place today where I feel to me that it that it's very healthy. He probably would want to do it more often. I'm good with three to four times a week. I'm good. Yeah. Yes. What are your ideas about time in general? Because I hear that I'm like, yeah, I guess like <laughs> wouldn't any of us. But um, and and you know, I get asked a lot um, around just like making time for pleasure um, mm. and for, for yeah, whether it's sex or or not, you know. Um, and I heard you say, you know, I had to listen really closely because the louder voices were breastfeeding, looking after the kids, picking up the kids from carpool and making yeah. dinner. <laughs> There's thousands of other things I'm sure you have on your daily to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, and just wondering how you were able to really cultivate the awareness around that voice and then make space and time to honor it. Mm-hmm. So everything about it is the consciousness for me. Mm-hmm. Like consciously mm-hmm. saying to yourself, I am going to respect my pleasure. And and, and respecting your pre- pleasure is respecting your health because mm. when you do make time for pleasure, for joy, for all of those things in your life, it's holistically you're you're healing yourself. Your body has mm-hmm. you know, you're it just it's just so much better for you. <laughs> you create a higher yeah. immune system. So many different things happen with that. And so I would literally have to consciously listen to that. Like when, I mean, it wasn't something that I could put in from the outside at that point in my life. It didn't feel like I could say, okay, let me schedule in a quickie at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah. had to be, it had to be from the inside out. And, yeah. and so you're right. I had to really listen for, to that voice. And when I heard it, I had to respect it or else it would just disappear. And yeah. and that's how I would would even have the awareness of it. Oh, that's yeah, that's beautiful, and it's not necessarily straightforward or simple or the way we're really being um, taught in sort of a ma- more mainstream arena. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's that's sort of, I'm so thankful for for that articulation of the reminder of the awareness and then honoring that awareness <laughs> instead yeah. of um, convincing yourself that something more important because there really isn't anything more important. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Anita, thank you. I think this is a really beautiful place for us to pause. <laughs> Yay! Uh, and I'm just so thankful for the work that you are putting out into the world and for this conversation. Um, what a great way for me to start my day, and um, thank you. Yes. And such a mirror as well, because thank you for the work you're putting out into the world. It's beautiful and necessary. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Pleasure with Actually podcast with me, Kit Murray Maloney. This podcast was produced by the wonderful Molly Ryder, and music was created and provided by the talented Ernest Gonzalez. Ladies, for more tips on women's sexual pleasure and how to prioritize your orgasms, I invite you to join the Oh Actually Pleasure Pledge. You can find all the super hot and fun details at oactually.com slash pleasure pledge, all one word. I look forward to having you join me here next week for another juicy conversation. Until then, remember, please prioritize your pleasure and love what feels good. Mm-hmm.